This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put oh, he's the one. Pussy up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, the college editor here. Dave Campbell's Texas Football sitting in Austin with his Verde behind him. Mike Craven. Mike, how are you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, one week closer to spring practice. It's already here for Houston and UTEP. So off season, Dunsies. Yeah, I'm about to hit the about to start hitting the road and getting these magazine, uh, this magazine content. Of course, with us as well is our producer, everyone's favorite Mal Pal, Mallory Hartley. Mallory, how are you? I'm good. Gearing up for girls high school state basketball this week with you. Yeah. 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 We're going to be doing stuff down in San Antonio. (laughs) Yep. We're going to be heading down uh, tomorrow recording this on Tuesday. Um, By the time you guys hear this, it'll probably be, we'll probably be already down there in San Antonio. Me and you will be there the whole week um, through Saturday. So we're in for some uh, nonstop basketball basically. Um, And then I'll be, and then I'll be back down next weekend too. So for boys. So Mm -hmm. yeah, this is, these are pretty busy for uh, everybody, but uh, by the way, a little tease. Uh, we have a big announcement coming up. We've already announced one. Uh, Carter Yates uh, posted that his official hiring. Uh, so he'll be working with us. Uh, he'll be working remotely for the time being. He's still he's still he's still a student there at UT. So um, we're working remotely as he finishes up, and then he'll be joining us full time in the office in the studio. We'll have him on Republic of Football things like that. So he's the newest member of the college sports staff. Mike Craven, what's up? Being around all of you makes me feel really bad about what I was doing as a senior in high school because like Mallory was interning at Dave Campbell's and got this job full time out of college. I I know you were already working for the newspaper down there and then went kind of straight into this. We don't need to get into what I was doing. Um, at a senior in college, <laughs> it, was, it was not, it was not furthering my career, uh, as you and Carter and Mallory. And so, yeah, it, he kind of intimidates me. I wish I would have been uh, on top of things back then, but I'm excited. Uh, we keep growing in an industry that is shrinking. So, you know, uh, good things on the horizon here. It's exciting Definitely. to see just when I started two years ago, how small the college side really was. And it's just crazy to see how, much it's just grown in the past yeah. year and a half oh yeah 100 and we'll see like i said we'll we'll be seeing more of carter on this show um you know he'll be appearing elsewhere obviously good by the way go check out his stories he was an intern for us uh, over the summer and wrote some stories for us in the fall um so he's done some really good features for us and you know it was it was it was kind of an easy pick once we started to really look for it. So uh, to make him a full-time member. So yeah, we're excited to add him to the team. Uh, we have another announcement that will be announced on Wednesday at noon. Uh, this will be going up earlier than usual. Cause like I said, uh, me and Mallory have to hit on, uh, get on the road. So this will be going up probably Tuesday night, early Wednesday. And later in the day on Wednesday, we'll be having a pretty big announcement. This one's college specific, but uh, it does relate to this podcast in a way, and that's kind of what the hint I'll give there. Um, but we're very excited about that, so stay tuned to Texas, uh, texasfootball.com. 
DCTF on Twitter and Facebook, and then uh, DCTF CFB as well on Twitter. Be sure you're following that account. So yeah, that'll be some pretty big stuff. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about, there was some news that dropped uh, Matt Step with his patented uh, Step Bomb. Um, listen, when Step teases, typically Step will tease these out, oh, Step Bomb coming or whatever. And it's it's kind of give or take if it's like a really big news drop. Sometimes it's just like, oh, it's a pretty good job opening up or whatever. This one he he teased at, and we knew what it was, obviously, but he teased that pretty well. saying like, no, this one's this one's legit. All right, so Rice hires John Kay from North Shore, Galena Park, North Shore, uh, I believe three out of the last four years, six A-State title champions. Um, uh, obviously, they were the runners-up last year to Duncanville. I mean, one of the most decorated uh, high school coaches in modern football. He's joining the Rice staff as linebackers coach. Now, go listen to TFT if you want to hear about more about John Kay, and you know they ended up making the hire uh, uh, to promote from within. Um, we want I do want to hint on the rice side of this on as we talk about for this podcast because this is the second obviously this is the more decorated coach that mike bloomgren's nabbed but this is the second big time high school coach out of houston that he's nabbed in his tenure 2018 he gave drew sabota um a chance out of client collins to, to coach running backs he obviously went to alabama i think i don't know if he went right to alabama but regardless he's obviously a unt now to get john k and to get john k to, to as a position coach, right? Not as a coordinator, right? He didn't have to entice him that way. Craven, you know, what are your initial thoughts? And then what does it say about Rice's development? The fact that they were able to nab one of the most decorated coaches still right now, um, definitely in 6A uh, right uh, coaching to join their staff. Yeah, let's start on the Rice side. I, I think it's a big, you know, statement of intent for them. You know, they want to recruit better in Houston. They want to recruit more high school. And if you look at this 2023 recruiting class they just brought in, it was 20 or 30 spots higher than the previous few. And so uh, they're doing a great job. Marco Relegato and those guys are, are doing fantastic job recruiting. I think John Kay just gives you a, another, you know, clip in the chamber, if you will, right? Like, you know, who's a better hired gun than that? And so, uh, you know, I think for Rice, it's a it's a good step forward. They're moving into the American, so there's a little bit of more money in that assistant coaching pool. Uh, a bigger a bigger job prestige wise with the expanded playoff and everything. It, it feels like a lot of colleges are going all in on athletics because there's possibilities there um, that weren't there previously. So I think it helps on the recruiting trail, obviously because of his connections in Houston. But anytime you can add one of the five or ten best football minds. Uh, in high school football, it's a good thing. I've said this many a times. There's two practices, two teams that when you went to practice, it felt like you were at a college football practice. And one was Lake Travis mm -hmm. uh, and what they do there. And then the other one's Galena Park North Shore. Like it is regimented. Uh, and I would imagine he comes in and he's almost an associate head coach, assistant head coach, same way that Joey McGuire was for Matt Rule and, and Baylor. And so um, the other part of this is, you know, back in the day, I felt like you, a guy like John Kay, we would ask, well, why did he take a step backwards, right? And be a position coach, you know, wouldn't he uh, get a head coaching job or at least a coordinator job? You know, but when I was doing that feature story on Jeff and Joey, you know, even talking back to Todd Dodge and then talking to those two guys, you know, they talked about how invaluable those three or four years as an assistant coach was mm -hmm. to kind of relearn the process, learn what's different about the college game. I think it's really smart for John Kay to take this kind of dip into the pool and I wouldn't be surprised in three, four, five years, he's running one of the programs here in this state. Yeah, I think that's a good point because, yeah, you would assume that 
Okay, sure. You're at the pinnacle of 6A, right? This isn't a, this isn't even a smaller classification, 3A, 4A, whatever. This is 6A. You're more or less coaching like pre-college teams, right? You're you know, a year in, year out. And yeah, I guess eventually you do kind of wonder what what's next for your career, right? Some people like a trying to think like a Gary Joseph, right? Loves to just be the king and just loves to get all the accolades and, and, and retire on top, um, which is what theoretically what he'll do at Katie. But yeah, you kind of do wonder these guys are for all their uh all their mentoring and all that stuff. I think there is like a sense of ego's the wrong word, but there is a sense of like wanting more, right? Sure. Like there is a sense of like these guys you have to be that in my opinion there have there has to be a sense of ego to be a head coach because you got to be able to do this over and over and over again and if you win, you got to want to win again and you got to want to win again. And so eventually Unless you just want to keep doing this, you know, like I mentioned with Gary Joseph, you want to keep doing the same thing in high school, you probably look somewhere else. And so I think, yeah, that that's a good point that you brought up about McGuire and Jeff Trailer, you know, needing that that kind of pipeline feed to maybe humble yourself a bit, right? Learn different things, kind of learn how to be an assistant again, um, because you learn again, you learn the 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 tricks of the trade, right? Uh, yeah. Going to high compliance school. and recruiting, yeah, exactly, yeah, things like that. The strength and conditioning can't, you know, like just things that in high school you just don't have, even at a place like North Shore. It takes a few years to learn that. And, and yep. Jeff and Joey said that those were, you know, like even, Trailer even said when he first applied for the UTSA job, uh, when Frank Wilson got it. He's glad he didn't get it then because he wasn't ready yet then either, you know? Right. And so um, you need a few years in that. I think it's important uh, to do that. And I think he's going to do great for Rice. And he doesn't have to leave the city. He probably doesn't even have to sell his house. You know what I mean? And so yeah. uh, just a perfect way uh, to dip your toe into the college ranks. And if he gets there and he doesn't like it, you know, there's going to be a lot of suitors on line one, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll be able to get right back into it and, and lead a top program. So he's going to do okay. I'm excited to see how how it goes. And, you know, it just continues the trend of THSEA's takeover of the college football ranks in the state. You cannot go to any of these these uh, staffs mm-hmm. and, not find, and not be able to go, oh, there's one, there's one, there's one. Uh, you know, add rice to the list. Yep, definitely. All right, so um, of course Matt Stebb broke that Willie Gaston will take over at North Shore, so he instantly becomes. I mean, let's just again that this is not a high school podcast, but the fact that Dunkinville North Shore could meet again potentially, and then all of a sudden you get two black head coaches in the state championships in six A would be insane. Um, so yeah, that uh, that's a obvious promotion for him. I think that was also pretty strategic by John Kay. To yeah. maybe say I'm leaving. Here's the guy, right? So um, definitely something to watch going forward. There, you know, uh, uh, like we all we all try to not have hater tendencies, yeah. um, but like I'm kind of mad at Matt Step right now. You know, like I found about it. I found out about the news on like Friday or Saturday, and was like yeah. very excited to have found out about this news, only to find out that like Step had known for days, and uh, he was yeah, already he was on top of it. You know, and it was like. Can I scoop my coworker? How does this work? <laughs> right. Like, I don't, you know, cause we don't have the same ethics. You know what I mean? Sure, like sure. I'm not a high school reporter. <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily care when you tell your team or not, you know, news <laughs> right, is news. Right. news. Uh, so it was, it hurt me all weekend. I was probably in a bad mood all, all weekend over it. Uh, regardless, we still got it. Uh, and of course, yeah, Matt's, of course, that's just like, that's Matt Steph in a nutshell, right? He's like, yeah, I knew for six months. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> he told yeah. me it last year's spring. spring yeah. camp Welcome to the party, year. bud. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, let's move on to a couple of our Texas tens. 
Um, we are going to go with tight ends. So we did tight ends and then uh, offensive linemen drop this morning as we're recording on Tuesday. Um, Craven, let's start with tight ends real quick. So I think number one, I don't know if anybody can argue with this, no. uh, Jatavian Sanders. I mean, absolute breakout season. You remember covering him as recruiting. He was adamant that he could play tight end, right? He was adamant that he could be a, a, a top caliber pass catcher. And not a lot of programs believed him, right? A lot, not a lot of programs believe. They said, yeah, sure, you can play tight end. And then eventually they would hope to work him to edge rusher or something. Um, last year when Texas needed a pass catcher, desperately with when Xavier Worthy was kind of plateauing he stepped up in a big way 613 catches five touchdowns um you know obviously he was the easy one now you get to the I don't want to say the harder ones because Donovan Green I think flashed a lot and then Varquise Gums from North Texas I think flashed a lot um were there any other rankings that were there any of these rankings that were like struggles for you I think the first three were pretty okay in my opinion, I don't know. Is that is that uh, saying too much for you? Yeah, I think the first three were set in stone. JT Sanders, obviously number one with the year he had, just the overall talent that he has. Former five star guy. We've all seen the one handed catches and everything he did um, as a as a high school recruit. I'd imagine he's a first round draft pick in the twenty twenty four NFL draft if he has another season like he did today. Because as we've seen with like Jason Kelsey and like that position is hot, right? Like if you can yeah. play that kind of position. Uh, it's been proven in the NFL that you're, you know, as valuable as almost anything but a quarterback. And so and I think he was number one, but then it was green and gums. You know, I'm a huge Valkyrie's gums fan. Like if we go back to my fab 55 days, I had him ranked up there in the top 55 in the state when, when nobody else did really. I, I was, I was really big on him. He went to Decaney high school in spring. They always had a couple guys coming out there and he's one, the coaches on that staff really, you know, uh, raved about. Uh, mm -hmm. Really good in that North Texas offense. He basically think about this, right? Like Jake, Jake, he took Jake Roberts' job, and that's right. a guy who Jake just, Roberts is also on the list. <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. the guy who just transferred to Baylor, Baylor. right? You know, and so like he ran a guy out of there to a P five program, basically. And I, both of them would have got snaps, and some of that sure. was the coaching change and stuff. But by the end of the year, Gums was the pass catcher, the number one tight end. Uh, as a receiver threat there between those duo. And so I thought the first three were pretty easy. You know, Jared Wiley's always been a weird guy to me because sure. nowadays when we think about tight end, we only think about their stats and their, mm -hmm. their ability to catch the ball and split out and play flex and do all that kind of stuff. Wiley's a throwback, put your hand in the dirt, bully people, set an edge in the run game. How much value is that? You know, sure. I think RJ Maryland is a better pass catcher, uh, but I don't think he's there yet in terms of being a three down tight end. And so uh, gave the edge to Jared Wiley there. And then once we get past Jack Bradley at eight, I, I don't know. I just had to keep, keep the list going. It's called the Texas 10. So I had to get 10, 10 on there, you know, like number 10 is a transfer honest. from Kansas state that didn't play last year, really, you know? And so uh, Texas tech doesn't use their tight ends on an every down basis, you know, in right. the old school air raid stuff. I was about to say, um, speaking, so, of, speaking of old school tight end, Baylor cup is right in that model mm -hmm. too, right? He's right. obviously been hurt, but he is very much in that Jared Wiley model. Uh, were they in the same recruiting class? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I can't remember. I, off the top of my head, I can't remember. They were definitely around each other. Yeah, I think they were like at least within a year, if not the yeah. same year. Um, yeah. But yeah, another guy who came from Brock where they just ran the ball. And it was like, yeah, you. I remember I remember when I wasn't paying much attention to recruiting at the time, I saw Baylor Cup and I was like, oh, Brock has a five-star tight end. How many catches? Oh, like 10. <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay. Yeah. And it was like, all right, yeah, they just have this monster blocking for the whole time. And yeah, it's like another throwback. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just a reminder that a lot, some of these teams in the state don't really play much with a tight end. And there's turnover, right? Like, you usually sure. don't have multiple star tight ends. So, like, Houston lost, you know, Christian Trahan. Well, I don't know what their backup is. None of us do, right? right. And so, how do, you, how do you kind of grade those guys? And so, the top eight, I felt were pretty easy in terms of, like, placing them on the board. Baylor Cup with his potential, I think, there at number nine. Uh, but I had no idea who to put at number 10. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like I said, go check out those. Um, of course we've, uh, done wide receivers, running backs and quarterbacks. And then today offensive linemen drops. So again, I think this one, I will say when I looked at this list and I was watching, I was reading over it, the state's in damn good hands when it comes to offensive linemen, man. Um, I'll just start off. Number one, Kelvin Banks. I mean, this is a future first round pick. It feels like he came in and started and looked stellar right away. Um, now I'm, I'm kind of wondering because some of these are some like a guy like Bryce Foster, we know what he can do, but obviously he played, you know, all last year, basically hurt, uh, couldn't really develop in the way that we kind of figured, um, you know, was there anybody who, Anybody on this list where you were like, mm, I got to kind of put him here, though. Like Bryce Foster felt like that to me because talent easily there. Right. But last year, you probably, you know, it's like, oh, how much can you ding him for missing? And, you know, you still know if he starts tomorrow, still one of the best offensive linemen in the state. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was about upside. You know, as a true freshman, he was, you know, developed as one of the best centers, not only in that conference, but in the nation. And he was yeah. doing that at 18 years old. Right. I mean, I'm not going to knock a guy for injury. Uh, he played four games last year, and then those four games he played, the AM offensive line looked a lot better than in the eight games that he didn't. And so mm -hmm. uh, I think him coming back is going to be a big reason uh, the Aggies rebound and have a much better offensive year this year than they did last year. I think he's one of the top three offensive linemen in the state. I, I think it's Kelvin Banks. I think it's Patrick Paul. I think it's Bryce Foster. And then there's a gap. And so yeah. uh, for me, it was those three guys, even with Foster, you know, missing eight games last year. But Cameron Johnson is right there. Uh, you know, like the left guard, left tackle position at Houston is big 12 ready. That's a power five conference uh, ready offensive line. That's going to be advantage for them. You know, with Alton McCaskill coming back, Donovan Smith as their quarterback. I think they're going to be a pretty run heavy offense. I think a lot of that's going to go uh, to the left side of the field. Yeah, Houston and TCU um, are aside from Texas and AM are the only teams with two offensive linemen on here, which, you know, especially for Houston, like you mentioned, first year going to the big 12, it's going to be massive TCU. That was one of that was the calling card of their offense last year, right? That was the reason why their run game was so effective. That was the reason why Max Duggan was able to be so uh so effective throwing the ball. So yeah, the fact that they didn't lose a lot, right? They lost some of their offensive linemen, but they're still gonna be pretty good and they're still gonna be in good hands uh going forward, I would say. So yeah, keep uh keep an eye on those. These will continue to drop throughout the next week. Uh what's next? What do we got for do we go to defense now? Yeah, we're going to do defensive tackles and then edge. I think okay. it would be it would be hard to just scrunch it into 10 defensive linemen. And so right. we're going to try to split up, that yeah. one up. And it you know gives the defense four positions rather than just there. I may do the same thing with cornerback and safety. Huh, that's a good point, too. Um, right. Also, before moving on, I wanted to ask, too, I know we had hit on it last week, but it, mm -hmm. the podcast came out before your top 10 wide receivers. So you ended up breaking Zakari Franklin yes, first. Yes, that's a good one. Xavier Worthy second. Evan Stewart third why did you ultimately pick Zachary Franklin because I know we did talk about that those three are kind of interchangeable yeah I, I felt like they were pretty even and I could make an argument for each one of them and so mm -hmm. I just had to go with production and Zachary Franklin has over 300 catches in his career over 30 touchdowns in his career 
If you take the whole state in 2022, he was the leading receiver uh, in catches, in yards, and in touchdowns. So for me, he won the Triple Crown in 2022. Uh, he's coming back in 2023, uh, and so he had to be number one. Uh, but he's one to watch, right? though. You know, if you talk to UTSA fans, UTSA coaches, kind of behind the scenes, right, he's one of the ones uh, that they're worried about in the transfer portal. And so it's just another reminder that, you know, these lists are pretty fluid because who knows where everybody's going to be come August 1st. As we learned last year, Katie Davis got into the transfer portal, then got back out of it. Uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're in for some twists and turns uh, before this whole thing is over. Yeah, I was about to say spring camp. So you'll see how some, uh, obviously the, um, oh my God, the Baylor quarterback news last year. I forgot right. it was Gary uh, Hannon uh, transferred after he figured out he wasn't going to get the job. So yeah, I mean, probably I wouldn't be surprised if within the second week of spring camp, we start to see those names kind of figure themselves out. Certainly after spring games, uh, things like that, probably before the spring game, you'll start to see depth charts kind of start to solidify. And yeah, people will be making uh, business decisions as far as they're concerned. So I was like uh, last year, Jake Bailey transferred after a practice. You oh know, God, like, I forgot. Oh my God. I forgot yeah, about I that. Yeah. Mike Bloomgren had seen him earlier that day and then That's found, right. out, he just found out. out that he transferred through compliance later in that day, you know, followed, so, Alex, followed Alex Brown, SMU. you know, Mar <laughs> yeah, March, April, May, um, are going to be insane. And then, you know, to make this a selfish thing, like it makes the mag makes the magazine no, hard. I was about to say, no, that that's that's mm -hmm. the worst part is because like part of our magazine, part of our that's the worst part for us, I should say. Uh part of the value of our magazine is the fact that we we love having the two deep and like we love to be able to see, yes, here is the wide receivers. And it's like, oh, Zakari Franklin's gone. He's like, oh, what what just happened? You know, there goes the magazine, right? Then you got to go and change probably all Texas team or whatever. Like luckily Katie Davis came back, but that was, was gonna say that was, or... that was the one that made me the most stressed for you, Craven. Yeah. Cause it was like <laughs> too deep, all Texas best linebacker. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was everything. Gone. He was all over the magazine. And then just, he was the player <laughs> feature for North Texas, section as well. That's right. That's right. God. Uh, so let's hope nothing like that happens. Um, which How do you think he got back to North Texas? I had to slide up. No, I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Offer him which, some of that NIL money. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, yeah, we'll, we'll throw some money. He's like, hey, yeah. here's some. Let's yeah. go, baby. Uh, all right, moving on. We got an interview. Uh, Joey McGuire, of course, good friend of the show. Had a pretty good season, I'd say. Um, he's in yeah, for he's a huge. Right. He's pretty good at the coaching thing. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, in for a huge 2023 with a lot of expectations. We'll talk a little bit about that. After the interview, he sat down with Mike Craven to give us a little bit of his time because, of course, this guy doesn't stop. So he had a little brief window to to chat with us. So without further ado, here's Texas Tech head coach Joey McGuire. Coach, obviously a, a really great season, a successful season. Uh, when it ends and when the transfer portal closes and when recruiting goes away for just a little bit, what does Joey McGuire do to kind of reset in the offseason? Well, I haven't done anything in two years, so I promised my wife that I would take her somewhere. So uh, we, as soon as that second signing day was over, uh, you know, we signed one, one young man, a defensive lineman. Uh, then I gave the coaches a week off, and, and Debbie and I went and sat on a beach at, in Turks and Caicos. And I don't know if I could relax, though, because the guys are still working back here. And so – I told her, I said, I'll always take you somewhere, but we need to do it over spring break. I can't do it while the, the players are still, you know, in here working. But it, it was good. It was much needed, you know. I think as much for me, but really a lot for her because um, head coach's wife, 
with just coach's wife in general is it, there's a lot on your plate. Can you explain how crazy that first, I mean, it was really like 15, 16 months that first year since you, you got there early, um, just kind of what that process was and, and how many hours a day you were kind of working and, and just kind of, I guess how long you went without taking a break. Yeah. And you know, Matt, uh, Dowdy and I, uh, were literally just sitting here talking cause he was saying, man, I, I don't even remember. I said something about the first year being a blur and um, he's like, yeah, I'm doing things in February that I didn't get to do last February, just, you know, updating stuff. Um, you know, cause the one thing that we really tried to do was uh, when I got the job, we had, we tried to make sure that the double T was anywhere and everywhere, um, you know, and on the Reckham tours and, and everything like that. Um it was it was a lot. It was fun though. You know, I would I I loved every second of it, and I'm loving every second of it now. You know, because um, we're back on the. Yesterday I was in Dallas all day. Flew back last night and was up ready to go for the uh, for football school. And and you know we just want to make sure uh, to capitalize on what we did last year. But it, it's a lot. You know, you're when you're first year and you're trying to get everything in place. Um, there's a lot of times Debbie was coming up here uh, when I first got the job, you know, probably eight, eight thirty, and there'd be a group of us, and she was like, "Is anybody going to go eat?" And we would, you know, Blanche and and Blanchard and Coach Martin and different guys would jump in the car, we'd go eat, and we'd be right back up here, you know, um, trying to put the staff together, trying to put recruiting class together, trying to, you know, organize everything that we wanted to do. Um, you know, in that first year. And then you get through with that and you jump right into spring football and you're trying to install a new offense and a new defense and a, really a new culture. Um, and so it it was a lot, but, man, it was fun. It was, it was a fun first year, you know, and I think we're going to be able to build off of that. I saw a clip of you the other day talking about the stadium and you were saying that, you know, just like the double T, you know, they were going to need a special type of crane to get you out of Lubbock that you were going to die there. And you could see in your face that you were serious. You know, a lot of coaches say that, uh, but not all of them mean it. What about Lubbock? What about Texas tech? What about this job makes that so true for you? Well, you know, I mean, I just think there's such a great fit. You know, one, I'm a Texan. You know, I'm a diehard. I am a, uh, you know, whenever I interviewed for the job, I had uh, the, you know, state flag socks on, you know, Texas state flag. I'm, I mean, I'm proud to be a Texan. And and I'm probably one of those guys that if you're not Texan and you're around me, you probably sometimes go, man, I wish you'd shut, about, shut up about the state of Texas. And so I think that's one. I think um, – the people here, the passion that they have, uh, uh, one, in Lubbock for their city, um, the passion that the fans have for their university, um, that draws me. Um, I'm a very passionate person, uh, high energy, and so that even more draws me. Um, the administration and the backing, I mean, we're – everything's down. They bulldoze the – South end zone. I mean, we're probably two weeks away from starting uh, to where we can start building up um, and start starting with the towers on each side. And so just the the real backing, not talking about it, but hey, this is what we're doing. And, and you could see that they were serious about it. And then you're at a place that 
they want to do something special. And, uh, you know, we want to do it for the long haul. We want to do it year in and year out. And we want to do something that, you know, hadn't been done here before. And so it's, it's really attractive. Um, you know, and, and I love being doubted. I love for that, you know, that chip on your shoulder where you and I both know that's Texas Tech. That's the Red Raiders. That's West Texas. You know, you got to chip on your shoulder and do things that people say you can't do. And so it's, it's a perfect fit. And I mean it, man. You said it. And I hope everybody sees that. Like, you know, because what's the first thing if you're at different jobs that people – We've had people that recruit against us that say, yeah, we know if so-and-so calls Coach McGuire, he's going to be gone, you know, and that's just a soft, non-competitive person saying that, Um, you know, and for me, I want to be here and I want to show everybody I want to be here and I want to make sure the recruits and and the fans and the alumni know that I'm fired up to be a Red Raider. You know, we've all taken new jobs before and and you think you know what it's going to be. And then there are certain situations where it's like, oh, okay, I made the right decision. You know, what was that for you last year? Where it's like you kind of thought you knew what the job was, but then there was that moment where it was like, okay, we're going to do something big here. And I I made the right decision to come here. Well, there was a couple of them, you know, at at different times, Um, you know, like our third, fourth quarter. Uh, I'll never forget we're we're in Jones AT&T and uh, it's pretty dang cold. And I'm talking to about talking to him about quit worrying about, you know, the weather, focus on each other. And Sir Roderick Thompson said, amen, coach, that's what it's all about. And I'm like, oh, wait, we got a team that get, is starting to get it and they're getting it in a hurry. They're not, you know, there there's you could start seeing that that chemistry come together so that was really big and then you know I thought I really knew what the Red Raiders about um and I saw it in basketball you know you you see stuff going on in basketball but you're you're a spectator you're part of it you're not you know on the field and uh after beating Texas and uh you know the the that one it was packed you know it was sell, sold out the the uh students were there early um I remember walking around the field and you know, they're yelling at me, let's go, and, um, you know, all chant my name and wreck them and all that stuff. And uh, after that game beating UT, uh, seeing what that meant to, to, to the people in the stands and around the state, you, you could see this is a really special place that wants to get behind what we're doing here. I reached out to some sources near you to, to get some questions. One of the things they wanted me to ask you is what do you, what do you call your undershirts? Oh my gosh. That's so good. That's a great story. Um, what Kenny Perry nicknamed my undershirts uh, character in the cut. <laughs> and um, so in 2003, uh, I ordered some McDavid compression shirts and they sent me loose fit. And um, so I called them and said, hey, I need the compression shirts. What do you want me to do with these loose fit? And they said, keep them. And uh, they're great shirts, but the sleeves kind of came like down to here. And I put one on and it felt so comfortable. (laughs) So I just cut the sleeves off. So they're all cut off here. And I don't, they're undershirts. So I don't really care what they look like. So like there's literally zigzags everywhere. And and so uh, KP nicknamed them character in the cut. I don't. I'll have one on probably here in about an hour after 
you know, I get through uh, with some different things, take a quick shower and get ready. But I wear one every day. I think I've got, I had 90 at one time. I'm like at 40, <laughs> you know, now. Um, that, that's the undershirt. Um, you know, when I was up there kind of hanging out with you before that Baylor game, you know, y'all y'all went to a movie as a team. Uh, what kind of movie, like when you go to a movie or you're picking a movie, uh, what kind of movies you into? Uh, you know, I really like everything. You know, I, I'm really not a scary movie guy. And we watched a couple of them this year. And, uh, you know, I, if we can, that week, we just couldn't find anything else. But I would, you know, team movies, I'd rather watch something like inspiring, true story, or uh, something action-packed. You know, we went, went and saw, uh, you know, the Black Panther, and the guys love that. And, um, you know, we saw... Uh, Woman King, that was probably my favorite that we saw all year, you know, and and so um, that's what I want before the game. But man, I'm telling you, I'm I'm a movie guy. If I tell you a movie's not any good, never go see it. Now, if I tell you a movie's good, you might not like it. But <laughs> right. I, I I watch a lot of movies whenever you know I get a downtime. Out in West Texas, there there's plenty of music to go see. What what's the kind of the last time you went out and watched a concert? Well, um, it was really cool. Last uh, two weeks ago, um, our receiver opened up for Grant Gilbert. So uh, the night before, uh, Thursday night, he reshot uh, Hub City Shakedown in Jones AT&T. So I've got like two seconds in the video. And then Friday night, we went to the Blue Light, which is really famous out here. You know, that's where Pat Green got started and um, Wade Bowen and and uh, Josh Abbott and and so um, Hayden Wigington, who uh, plays wide receivers wide receiver fours, played at Midlothian Heritage. Um, his dad's a head coach at Allen. He opened up and and it was awesome because he can really play and sing, but it's the first time that he's had a full band behind him and he crushed it. And, and so the last one, I went to the Blue Light and. And saw Hayden Wigington and then Grant Gilbert stay for Grant Gilbert. I'm a big fan of him. And I'm a country music guy. So that's what's really cool being out here, whether it's the Blue Light or Cook's Garage. Um, and we've had some really good, uh, really good concerts. And then I think uh, we've got a couple this summer. I think Luke Bryan's coming out here, you know, to play at uh, in our basketball uh, facility. And so fired up to see him. Do you remember the first concert you ever went to? Um, it was probably, it was probably Van Halen in Reunion Arena. Um, it was either Van, man, I saw some really cool concerts whenever I was growing up or in high school, but, but Van Halen, I saw Michael Jackson, um, in Reunion Arena. Uh, so I, I've seen some, you know, different, different genres and, but I think it was Van Halen. I don't, I don't know if it was, I don't remember if it was there their jump tour of what they called it, but man, they were awesome. They're pretty good life. They're pretty good life. Yeah. Um, did anything surprise you your first year as a college head coach, whether good, bad, and different, just kind of, Hey, I, I didn't really expect that, or that's different than what it was in high school or, or just whatever, you know, there's sometimes in new jobs where just like something kind of comes out of the blue. You know, uh, I think having such a great staff and everybody being on the same page, you know, uh, if there was something, um, you know, we probably tackled it together. 
um, whether it was off the field, on the field. I mean, the surprises were like good surprises. You know, um, it surprised me how fast the team came together. Uh, it surprised me, you know, that they really bought into the culture. That's, uh, you know, the uh, we asked them to do a lot of stuff, um, you know, within the rules. But then we also these guys are coming here to get an education and they're coming here to uh, hopefully develop in the NFL players. And so you got to do a lot of stuff off the field away from here. Um, if you want to be that, that great. And we had some really good uh, ex players and some really good ex players of mine, Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard came out and, and talked to the team and, and just talked about like stuff you got to do. And it was, it, it surprised me how fast those guys bought in I think we have a great model academically. We had our highest GPA that Texas Tech's ever had in the history of football. We had a 3.13 uh, team GPA. And so I think just that overall buy-in uh, is what surprised me the most. Spring practice is just right around the corner. Uh, how different will spring pack practice number two look like compared to number one, just because y'all can hit the ground running a little bit differently than maybe you could last year? You know, I think the speed of, of practice, which, you know, can shorten practice, I think that's going to be good. I think um, as much fundamentals as we work, and that's what we believe in, I think we can take that to a whole nother level because you're not installing it and teaching a brand new offense and defense you know and you never want fundamentals to take a back seat but um sometimes just the nature of a brand new offense and defense sometimes that happens and so i think you know we'll be able to really dig and dive into that um and then we've got some this this roster is very like, like you have it's not a, a balanced roster in age you have a really old group and you have a really young group, like half of the scholarship players are freshmen or redshirt freshmen. And so we've got a great opportunity in the spring to grow the older guys enough. Like I don't need, need to see Jalen Hutchins taking, Hutchins taking a ton of reps. You know, I need him to do individual. I need him to work on his pass rush one-on-one. He'll get some stuff, but I need Trey McAlpin you know, who's a redshirt freshman who didn't get to play last year. I need him to be taking reps. I need Duda Banks to be taking a lot of reps. And, and and we've got some really, really good young linebackers. And so this spring will look a little bit different on how we balance uh, the old guys' reps and the young guys' reps. You know, quarterback what was a spot we talked about a lot last year. You had three different guys start four games. Tyler Shuck, Baron Morton are back. How do you kind of go about uh, go about, you know, using that competition and having those guys compete during the spring. Yeah. You know, like, in it, it, like today, Tyler went with the ones uh, Thursday, Baron will go with the ones. Um, you know, I, I just, I think if there was a, a situation where I had a true freshman mid-year and then a senior, then yeah, you can say, Hey, let's create some competition, but it, it's not really like true competition because the freshman is so far away from, you know, really pushing that guy. Um, we've got, we're too deep all the way across the board at every position and, and some more. And there is a lot of competition. And I tell the guys all the time, look, if we started tomorrow, this is who would probably start. 
but you can't say you can't have like the the whole DNA of your program being the brand, the toughest, hardest working, most competitive team in the country. And that that last part says most competitive and then say, well, yeah, I just think I deserve to be the starter. And so we're going back and forth. Um, you know, I think if we started a game tomorrow against whoever, you know, Tyler would be out there. But Tyler also knows that there's a, a very talented young man that has started games that have won games at the Division One level that's just not going to give it to him. And we have, you know, our left guard uh, between Jacoby Jackson and Cole Spencer. Cole Spencer didn't get to play last year. Uh, we're a lot different in the old offensive line right now. But I tell Jacoby, I said, man, you started eight games. You're not – just don't give it to him. And so iron sharpens iron, and these guys are really getting after each other, you know, and, and doing a good job and, and have a great attitude. Now, this is the time of year where I think a lot of articles come out about like what we would change about college football and, and you know, the presidents start talking, the coaches start talking, you know, if Joey McGuire is kind of the czar of college football, you know, what are, what are one or two things that, that you think need to be altered either just the calendar or, you know, from the day-to-day, -day, you know, life of a college student or the coaches, what, what kind of needs to be changed right now? Well, I, you know, one, I think they got to be real careful. You know, I think, um, that some of the change might seem good. Uh, but, you know, for instance, I heard one of the commissioners say that he wants to change the December signing day. Um, well, that's a person that's never been on the road and never recruited in his life. And I would say that the December signing day, move it up if you want to change it. Don't move it back to the old one. Um, because number one, you're going to have mid-years. We had 12 mid-years. So what's the difference between me getting 12 mid-years signed versus 24? Is it, I mean, like, come on, December's hectic, but January is really nice that you've signed your class and you can get a year ahead evaluating 24s and 25. So my coaches would say where he said that, that December and January was really hectic. My coaches would tell you, yeah, December was really hectic, but January was we could take a deep breath and go see those young guys and not have to worry about signing and holding on to kids in February. Um, and so I think we got to be really careful about, you know, how fast we say what's better for the sport. Um, now, if you're just talking about games and stuff like that, I watched the XFL the other night. Um, I love that they can, in real time almost, or two minutes, evaluate a replay and uh, speed up the game. <clears throat> uh, at the Power Five level, I know in the Big 12, we have the rock. We have people watching every single game. We have a replay official in the booth. Um, I don't know why we have to go over and look in a little TV screen whenever somebody can be in somebody's ear. I saw it happen in the Texas Bowl. You know, in the Texas Bowl, they – replayed it in within two minutes and we're rolling and um so you know i know there's a, a big deal about speeding the game up uh to a certain extent you know that that's a easy way to do it and so um like to see some of that you know the games the one thing we have to do is be careful to not mess with the greatest game in the world um if we are going to change anything uh, let's make sure that it, it's the right thing and not just fundamentally mess with a, a game that, man, is 
it, it's incredible. And you see it, you know, in national championship games, you see it in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's it's everybody watches it, everybody loves it. And so we gotta be, we gotta protect it and be really careful when we just spout stuff out about how to change stuff. Last one, uh, with the expanded playoff coming up and the Big 12 being where it's at, you know, you were part of that Baylor staff when y'all went and won the, the Big 12 and won the Sugar Bowl. You know, last year, TCU goes undefeated in the regular season and then goes to the college college football playoff. You know, what makes you believe, being in that room, that Texas Tech is right there as well to kind of be one of those teams that's going to be competing for Big 12 championships and, and playoff spots over these next few years? You know, we, we've got a really good roster. We've got a good coaching staff, and we've got a great administration, you know, and we can continue to build off of that. Um, you know, in 19, uh, you know, if we would have played LSU, if we would have beat OU, um, you know, in overtime um, at Baylor. And then in, in 21, you know, we play in the Sugar Bowl, but if we don't lose a game earlier in the season, we possibly – you know, or in the in the final four. And so I think there's really good football being played. Um, you know, I think um, you got to be really careful uh, building up certain conferences. You know, uh, I, I watched the uh, national championship game and, and you know, it, it got out of hand. But I, I do believe TCU, uh, you know, deserved to be there. But after the game, one of my favorite dudes, uh, uh, Kirk Street you know, says, you know, the SEC is ahead and he put in the Pac-10. Well, I just know the champion, champ, the Pac-10 champion got beat by the Big 12 champion the week before. And so you got to be careful who you're putting in that conversation. Um, Georgia was the best team in the country last year and they beat everybody they played and anybody else could have lined up against them and they were going to beat them. Um, but Big 10 had a chance to be in that and TCU won that game. And, uh, you know, and so you got to be real careful, you know, of like this conference is more dominant than this conference. I remember many years ago hearing Bob Stoops talk about you can talk about teams being dominant. You got to be careful about talking about conferences being dominant because there's some top heavy different conferences. And uh, and, and so Alabama's ruled college football for a while. Georgia is now stepping in there. Uh, you put them in any other conference, and then all of a sudden, that's going to be the best conference. Um, so I, I think you got to be really careful whenever you say that. Saying all that, I'm saying that, that the Big 12 should have been in that game last year. And and uh, I think if you play and win the Big 12 and you're in the top one or two teams when they expand the, the uh, conference playoffs, and you've got an opportunity to play in it, and we expect to be in it. You know, they, they brought me here to win the Big 12, and – and to play in those games. And, man, uh, this staff and these players, we're not going to shy away from that. We're excited about it. Coach, I always enjoy our conversations, and uh, I'll be out in Lubbock you know, in April sometime to do some magazine stuff. Can't wait, man. You're crushing all the, the top tens. You know I mess with you, but it's always fun because you're my guy. So thank you so much, man. I uh, I need to stop doing those because it's a thankless endeavor, you know. Uh, oh, I, I, no. I thank you even <laughs> though I give you a hard time. All right, it. Coach. All right. Be good. Get that undershirt on. Yes, sir. Thanks again to Joey McGuire for sitting down with us and chatting. It's always uh... – have you ever had a bad interview with Joey McGuire? No. No. And, I, you know, what's fun about Joey is, like, I forget I'm interviewing him sometimes. Right. So yeah, I... Sure. So, like, honestly, I think some of the better interviews are with coaches that I don't know as well. 
Sure, because like sure. you're really kind of gathering information and you're asking from a place of curiosity. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I know them so well that it's hard, you know, so it's like trailer too. It's like, what are, you know, I'll text them the night before and be like, now, what do you want to talk about like on the, <laughs> right. po- on the podcast, you know? And what I love about Joey is he's like football, 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 you know? Yeah. Cause like, this is what he does, you know? Like it's mm-hmm. not, it's not a hobby or a passion. Like it's an addiction. Like it just is like in the best way possible. You know, I started it off with the question because I think it's funny. Uh, what does Joey McGuire do to unplug, right? And his answer is mm-hmm. like, well, Debbie made me, you know, so we went to Turks and Caicos, but I couldn't even relax because my guys are working out back in Texas Tech. I told her, she, he goes, I told her next year, we got to do it in spring break because then everybody's off and I can feel right. like I'm off, you know? And so he's just wired that way. And like, as somebody who, you know, tries to approach the job in a similar way or whatever, like, it's sure. just, it's just fun to like, it's not, it's not in this like, bad mood negative i'm like i'm just beating on people and like you right. know whatever like he like literally wakes up in the morning and is just like man this is freaking awesome that i get to yeah. coach football at texas tech and you know that's refreshing it's fun and so yeah i don't think i've ever not only not a bad interview i don't think i've ever had a bad conversation i was about uh, to say yeah Joe conversation McGuire. yeah um so let's let's spend a little bit of time on tech because and we'll get into a little bit of the big 12 too um as a whole because obviously there'll be one of the key figures in the new big 12 going forward in 2024, but 2023, we were admittedly, we were worried about last year heading into the year, right? Because Joey McGuire came in with such fanfare because of his personality, because of his, 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 his electricity, he came in with a lot of hype and we admittedly bought into it, right? We're like, this guy, yeah, sure. This guy's gonna be awesome. Then we started to look at the schedule and we're like, is, is is this first year going to be awesome? Right. And we started to have a little bit of fears. Like there's a possibility they miss a bowl this year. And just, just cause what we, what tech has historically been post Mike Leach and then kind of the job he needed to do there. And then they had their best year since Mike Leach. So now we're looking at 2023. What are early, 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 early expectations do you think for Texas tech versus what maybe now that the schedule's out and all that versus what maybe they could do. Is it, is it set up? I have my answer, but is it set up for the continuing roller coaster up, you know, um, or are they in for a little bit of a, a little bit of a downturn? That's a hard question because, you know, I think the schedule's tough again this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what it is, right? The big 12 is just full of so many toss up games that, you could convince me they win nine games. You could convince me they win six games in the season. They may have played about the same and just a couple bounces of the ball, a couple turnovers, right. couple, you know, weird calls here and there. Right. Like that's how even a lot of it is across the big 12. But, you know, when I go and I think about the positions that I find important in football to dictate who I think is going to be success, it starts at quarterback and they got two of them, Tyler mm-hmm. Shuck, Baron Morton, both of those guys, I think could go win a lot of conference games. They have a running back in Taj Brooks. My question is the offensive line. Cole Spencer is coming back. The transfer from Western Kentucky that never got to play last year, that's going to change some things around. They got some depth. Uh, but that that's my major question on the offensive side of the ball. Can they protect better? Can they run the football better uh, with the offensive line than they did last year? Because that's the way they take a jump offensively. And then defensively, a lot of it's back. The secondary is going to be pretty good. I think up the middle at defensive tackles, probably their strength. Uh, with Jalen Hutchins and, and Tony Bradford, but they lose Tyree Wilson on the outside and getting that pass 
you know, uh, pressure and creating havoc and making offenses have to deal with that is something that you just can't replace, right? Like there's not another top 10 pick at defensive end walking around in Lubbock right now. There's just not many of them, right? There's two or three in the nation every single year. Tyree Wilson's not there. They're going to have to manufacture pressure in a way they didn't have to in a lot of parts last year. That's going to be the biggest concern for me for Texas Tech. If they can figure out their offensive line and then they can generate pass rush, I think they're in for eight, nine, 10 wins. Yeah. I think so too. I think that the schedule breaks pretty easily. I'd say if you had to set the, I won't say over under necessarily, but I'll say this. I think the, the floor is there for a bowl game, right? The floor. I really think yeah. this is a favorable schedule to where they could, I'll say walk theoretically, they could walk to six wins. I really do think that. Right. And that should now, be the floor every year. Yes, 100%. And like you said, of course, the ball could bounce a different way. All of a sudden, you know, I, I don't know, West Virginia could come back and bite them, right? They go to Morgantown. So, like, who knows what happens there early in the year. But regardless, that's a game that they're favored in. They should theoretically win. Sure, I'll, I would pencil them in for at least six wins, more or less. And that more or less keeps this hype train going, right? Joey McGuire is going to be recruiting the hell out of the state. He's already uh, made a big splash. You have to feature on Will Hammond out of Hutto, right? He's going to make a – he's going to try to hold on to a – a pretty big uh, recruiting class there in 2024. I believe there was a player that I think they're in for, I think they're in pretty hard for Terry Bussey. Cause he's like, he was like retweeting something from Terry Bussey. I saw um, yeah. Joey McGuire was so like, he's going to be in a big play for him. So they're, I think 2024, they did a good job recruiting 2023. 2024 is obviously mm-hmm. his first big, big recruiting class. I'm really fascinated to see what they can do. If they can hold on to Will Hammond, Right. He's going to be a four star by every other metric. I know he is for uh, Texas football. Um, and if they can nab somebody like a Terry Bussey or anything like that from this class, it's going to be pretty special um, if they can pull something off seven, eight, nine wins even. And not I, to mention, I feel, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, just not to mention their non conference schedule is pretty favorable. I mean, they play yeah, at I mean, Wyoming. They get, they got Oregon, right? Oregon's yeah, they the get one. Oregon at home and Tarleton at home too. So their, their non conference schedule goes pretty much in their favor. I think this is all gearing up for 2024 and Joey hinted on it in the, the interview we did earlier. You know, a lot of his roster is freshman and redshirt freshmen. Like they, he has, he has not gone heavy transfer portal, heavy Juco ranks and made this roster old. He's kind of starting it from scratch. And so they're way ahead of schedule with eight wins last year, the bowl win beating Texas, beating Oklahoma. I think if they finish with a similar seven, eight win, you know, they go seven and five in the regular season win their bowl game that keeps the momentum going because this is all building towards 2024, right? Like Mm -hmm. the whole landscape of college football changes in 2024. And I'm not just talking about Texas and Oklahoma leaving. It's the expansion of the playoffs. And now you just got to win the big 12. And so they're putting themselves in the position where it's not about wins right now. Although obviously, I mean, Joey McGuire is one of the most competitive people I know. Like they're trying to win every single freaking football game of all time. Like I'm not saying that wins aren't important, but you're trying to put yourself in a position to win year in, year out, not just right away. And I think he's doing a good job of that to gear up for 2024 to where when Texas and Oklahoma leaves and the Big 12 champion gets into the playoff and maybe even the second place team in the Big 12 gets into the expanded playoff, can Texas Tech be in that conversation with Oklahoma State, with Cincinnati, with TCU, with Houston, with those kind of programs to be jockeying for that spot? My answer is yes. I don't know What's going on there that doesn't lead you to believe that? The recruiting is picked up. The on-field results are already picked up. The NIL money is there if you're not paying attention. And mm-hmm. also, if, you, if you've been blind, they're about to make the facilities in Lubbock 
above top notch. Yeah, I was like, about to say. I mean, it it's going to be state of the art. And so, you know, that oil money is going to get spent, right? And there is a big alumni base in Texas Tech that is different than the other in-state Big 12 schools. And so Joey is at the right spot. And if he gets this going all in the right direction on the field, there's nothing stopping Texas Tech from being that pesky fly in the college football playoff on a, you know, regular yearly basis. Yep. They just, I uh, believe Texas Tech released some concept art for the uh, proposed um, uh, facility. And yeah, it looks, it looks like anything you'll see in the SEC, right? It looks like something you'll see in any major college athletic facility. Um, it's a goal of a hundred million dollars and they've already had 87 million committed. So again, money is not going to be an issue here. And if you, again, you're going to theoretically you have Baron Morton, right? So you have your quarterback, right? The face of your, your program in fold and, yeah, they're on a trajectory. Let's uh let's look at 2024 a little bit and take a little bit of an examination because obviously until Houston, especially until Houston gets its stuff together, TCU and Tech and Baylor, let's put Baylor in there as well, probably are the easy ones to say, like, you know, depending on how you feel about UCF um, and, and whatever Cincinnati looks like under uh, Scott Satterfield. But theoretically, the three legacy Big 12 programs are going to be the ones that are the big fish now. Who do you think positions themselves better in 2024? Let's look at just 2024, that first year. Because like you mentioned, that is the first year that the playoff expands and all that stuff. So that first year, 2024, if you can project two years in advance, who is positioning themselves best to be right now on paper the team that should be the Big 12 favorite? I think I would rank it TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor mm. in that in that in that order. And the reason I'm I'm kind of down on Baylor is one, the NIL money that they don't have TCU's got DFW, even though they don't have a big alumni base. Sure. Baylor's got the small alumni base and it's not in a metroplex area. And so, like, where does all that NIL money come from? How how does that work? I know that there's plenty of money in Waco and, and in the alumni base, but they don't have 40,000 students all the time and they don't have Dallas Fort Worth. And so uh, I think, and they've had two losing records in the three years that Dave Aranda has been there. Are they more 2021 or are they more 2022? I'm going to need more empirical data before I make that announcement. I've seen Sonny Dykes take this TCU team, you know, from five and seven to 12 and zero, And I know what Fort Worth is. I know what DFW means to these recruits. And I've seen guys like Jojo Earl and Tommy Brockermeyer already transferred back into that program. So I have plenty of faith in what TCU is doing. They're recruiting the best. And I'm, I'm a stars matter guy. I just, I just am, you know, with my background. And so uh, I think I'm going to give TCU the advantage, but I think Texas tech is nipping right on those heels. And if they can flip, you know, a few of these big fish, like you were talking about, if they can pull off a Terry Bussey, if they can get in for real on Micah Hudson, if they can keep that top line talent out in West Texas, there's no reason Texas Tech can't be the best team in the state. We've seen it done under the Mike Leach for a decade. And so uh, if he can get it rolling in all those directions, I think Tech is right behind TCU. The one I worry about, the one I think the most about is Baylor. I mm-hmm. Just because I don't I don't know what that program is under Dave Aranda on a year-in, year-out basis. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that those rankings... Those rankings fit because we mentioned, you know, you mentioned making the playoff for TCU show that they already had talent there, right? They had conference championship talent, caliber talent there when they maybe didn't have the program pulling in the right direction um, or at least pulling all in the right direction. Um, and so, yeah, I think the the floor, I think for them is definitely set a little bit higher. That gives them a little bit of an edge. But again, 
I can't stress enough how much this facilities could be a game changer for tech, right? We've seen that happen with so many programs, right? Obviously the most notorious examples probably Oregon, right? Where like you just get, you get the Nike fill night money, boom, all of a sudden you become national title contenders overnight. Um, I'm not saying that exactly happens because obviously Nike's its own animal, but it just shows how, I guess Boone Pickens would be another good example for, for Oklahoma state, right? That would be more of an applicable example to where it's like, all of a sudden you become a contender overnight and boom, everybody wants to play there. You get recruits you never did before, um, things like that. So yeah, I, I can't wait to see where this goes because yeah, the big, the new big 12 just becomes such a, a huge, I mean, it becomes the wild west almost, right? There isn't the Texas or Oklahoma, right? Literally there isn't the team that you have to pencil in as number one, um, or at least, you know, theoretically have as number one and number two because they're gone. And now it opens it up to everybody where, you know, again, barring this Texas Tech thing that could potentially make them uh, a little bit of a front runner. There's no traditionally there's no other team you could say, yeah, of course, this team would be the one to move into first place because they haven't. There hasn't been that consistency uh, for many of these teams before historically for, you know, uh, good stretches of time. So. Yeah, this will be something to really something entertaining to watch because I'd say those three right now easily um, are the ones to watch. But like you mentioned with Baylor, who knows what that team looks like, right? Does is that team like you mentioned? Is that championship team the aftermath of Matt Rule potentially? Um, but you know, we also know that Dave Aranda is a good coach, so it does his recruiting catch up to his coaching ability. I don't know. Um, yeah, it'll be something to watch going forward. Yeah, no doubt. I I think the Big 12 becomes the most intriguing conference in the nation, not not maybe the most talented. Right. That's going to be the SEC. That's going to be the Big Ten. Uh, But it's going to be like the English Premier League in soccer. Right. Where like the 14th team can beat the first team. Like it's not all that crazy. There's not the Real Madrid's and the Barcelona's and the Bayern's and the PSG's above everybody else. Like it's going to be one of those conferences that every single year the team picked sixth could go win it. The team picked seventh in the Big 12 just played for the national championship game. Like that's with Texas and Oklahoma in the conference. And so uh, I think it's just going to be one of those, you know, take a dart, throw it against a board and and you'll have as much a chance to predict that conference as any. And isn't that what we all love about college football? That's the whole point. Um, And so I think it's going to be, you know, everybody tries to make the jokes and stuff, but I I think it's going to be the most fun conference to follow. No, hundred percent. I agree there. All righty. That'll do it for us. And uh, yeah, me and Mallory will be off to San Antonio watching some basketball for the next week, next couple of days, and we'll be gearing up for spring practice all over the states. Um, yeah, be sure to keep it texfootball.com. Like I said, Mike Craven's top uh, Texas 10s will continue to drop. Remember, follow us for that big announcement on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon at noon. Uh, we're very excited for that, and you'll be hearing more from us in regards to that on the next episode um, and in the coming weeks as well. So, uh, yeah, for Mallory Hartley, Mike Craven, remember we have interviewed Oh, geez, I was 12 12. of the 13, 12 of the 13 uh, college coaches in the state. Jimbo Fisher, give us a call. Always go Rutgers. Uh, Oh, yeah, by the way, Rutgers stole, uh, who was the defense? uh, The Lamar. SFA. SFA? SFA? Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, yeah, maybe it was so, Lamar. No, it was regardless. Lamar. It was Lamar. Okay, it was Lamar. Yeah, so the bit actually has a has a has a meaning now. So like <laughs> Rutgers actually stole a coach from Texas. So uh yeah, go Rutgers. There's a little tie that actually makes it relevant for us. 